Hey everyone, I watched an episode last year of The Glenn Show called Rejecting Racial Determinism, and he had guest John McWhorter on. It aired in the summer of 2021, and after watching the first 20 minutes of it, I knew I was going to want to make a video about it at some point. Glenn passionately espouses his views on predeterminism and demoralization in an off-the-cuff diatribe that he delivers very eloquently, and it oozes with powerful messaging. The segment I want to share is what John McWhorter and I refer to as the Glenn Lowry aria. Take it away, Glenn. Right now, I'm trying to make an analogy between the assumption that historical circumstance and oppression and suffering have uh, precluded applying the presumption of free will to the victims of American racism. He is talking about a hierarchy of values. We may make assumptions of both, or even have evidence for both. But if we consider that both have value in one way or another, then why do some people choose to prioritize one over the other. It isn't obvious that one is clearly a more accurate way of characterizing people. So it begs the question, what are the motivations of those that choose to absolve themselves of their capacity to exercise free will and have it take a backseat to historical circumstances? Glenn is focusing on racial groups in this video, but this sort of analogy could be applied to anyone that feels as if their current circumstances have been shaped by historical oppression in a manner that impedes on their ability to flourish. The fact that you can apply to anyone is precisely why I was attracted to this particular segment. Again, it's not that these things can't have an effect. Rather, Glenn will continue to critique the desire for anyone to permit this fact to supersede their potent ability to make free choices. And rather than steal his thunder, I'll let him continue. And the assumption that partially genetically influenced expressions of intellectual ability as measured by test scores preclude um, African-Americans from performing in a college classroom or avoiding some social dysfunction like criminal behavior or something like that. The predeterminism element of these arguments. One argument comes from the left. It says history has dealt blacks a bad hand. It, we have been oppressed and we have been, been beaten and we abused. What can you expect but that you would see pathological behavior? It's fixed by the historical inheritance. The wealth gap is what it is because we didn't get the hand down from our parents because they didn't get the hand down from their parents. What can we do? The crime rate is what it is. The test scores are what they are, et cetera fixed by history, predetermined. Glenn is discussing predeterminism here as a concept, and he elaborates on the sorts of things that are stated by modern progressivism in defense of the current state of affairs. This argument has been made for many groups of people around the world, all throughout history, and they have either been railed against to the point of their elimination, usually by the group it targets, or used as a justification to impose or absolve any expectations on huge swaths of people, reducing them to something less than a person. 
It appears as though not only do some people believe that those ignorant of history are doomed to repeat it, rather, some are very aware of history, or so they claim, and they insist on repeating it, even the ugly parts, to erode what we can expect from any individual or group of people is to admit your bigotry. You think that they are less than you, or at least less capable than you. You'll notice that this is the same as a classic argument used by those who seek to maintain the status quo, which is a historically tone-deaf ultra-nationalist position, typically bordering on fascist, which is... And the genetic argument. It's in your genes. What can we expect? Do the best you can. We'll respect you as a human being, but we won't expect you to be doing calculus and we won't expect you to be performing at a high level. And if we see that you're not a good parent or that you break the law frequently or that you're uh, more often involved in violence, while we regret that, we can't say that we're surprised because after all, you're genetic, et cetera, et cetera. You'll notice that these are fundamentally the same argument. They're just framed somewhat differently. One is an argument from historical circumstances, and one is a genetic argument. Glenn notices this, and he's not fooled by it. Well, those arguments have something in common with one another. And from a spiritual, not religious, point of view, from the point of view of thinking the human being, unlike uh, the animal king, the rest of the animal kingdom, we have a spirit, we, we have a will, we have a capacity to make ourselves, we, we can be self-critical, we can, notwithstanding the givens, which are our historical inheritance, whether it be genes or some kind of sociopolitical structure, nevertheless, will ourselves to be differently in the world than what has been the case. Glenn is invoking the prospect of free will here, and that the human capacity to improve our own circumstances is a truth that we see everywhere, all the time. You don't need to pay all that much attention to notice that as the days pass, you can be in a different place than you were the previous day, and that it's possible that, but not always the case, that your decisions have affected the trajectory of your own life. To invoke either a predeterministic or genetic argument is to be at odds with the concept of free will, and by extension, humanity. Now, you may very well doubt the existence of free will, which is something you certainly can do, but we don't behave as if we do, which is why you believe it offensive if I assault or steal from you. Even the staunchest opponents of free will will demand that society at least be organized as though all of our choices are being made freely. Don't trust people who try to convince you of these claims, because they only seem to invoke this argument when it benefits them, and when it punishes others. Free will may not exist, but it is essential for human progress that we all enter into a social contract as though it does. If you'd like a more thorough digression about free will, we can certainly examine that sometime. Let's let Glenn continue. We can be better. And I say that not just for individuals, and this is really the point that uh, the other second point I want to make. I say it for communities, the collectivity. We have a collective conscious, uh, consciousness, a kind of uh, cultural 
orientation, which, which we can influence with our literature, with our politics, with, with our public life. We can teach our children differently. We can hold up ideals that they can be reflected in our journalism and in our, in our art and, and in our, in our uh, social life. Uh, there's a better and a worse way of living. We can say to the gangbangers who are killing each other on the streets of Chicago like crazy, last weekend was a horrible weekend. We can say to them, be better. We mean that you can live differently than what you're living. And, and we can hold that up as an ideal. A good black person would not live like this, would not neglect to take care of their children, would make the best out of their opportunity. Sloth is bad. Self-pity is bad. Live a life of dignity. Here he is talking about scale. What may be true for you can extend forth through the collective unconsciousness of your society and your culture and serve as a guiding virtue towards which many people can orient themselves. The broader conversation that Glenn and John were having pertained to racial determinism. And so this is why he singles out blacks. But for those that know me, I am not generally particularly interested in grouping people by their melanin concentration. I don't find it very useful or very helpful. The important thing to take away here is that if an individual, regardless of skin color, can capitalize on their circumstances and abstain from what is bad for them, then anyone can. This doesn't mean it's easy. In fact, nothing important in life is easy. And there are certainly forces that may attempt to prevent this in some communities, like tone-deaf modern Western progressivism and classically racist and niche conservatism, for instance. Both sides like to screw over those who can't help themselves. But if a greater and greater number of individuals impose these expectations as a measure of guiding principle, then you can change your community. And who knows how far it will go in combating the forces that diminish the human spirit and your capability for improvement. Let's see how Glenn finishes this off. But if you embrace this predeterminism, whether it be a genetic or a, a cultural uh, historical predeterminism, you say all the outcomes are already fixed. You make it uh, almost impossible for a community to marshal its moral resources on behalf of teaching its members what it means to live rightly and to live well. It's, it's a demoralization. It's a fundamental demoralization. Uh, to take these predetermined uh, positions, it seems to me. So, Glenn, that was um, that was too good. That that was an aria. Did you catch that part? Glenn states, believing in these things makes it almost impossible for a community to marshal its moral resources on behalf of teaching its members what it means to live rightly and to live well. It is a fundamental demoralization to take these predetermined positions. What does it mean, then, to be demoralized? To become demoralized is to lose confidence or hope. It means to crush the spirit of someone. As Glenn stated, you don't need to be religious to understand that having a human spirit is how we usually describe our propensity to move forward. It is what animates us and moves us towards our goals, if only in a figurative way. But 
never underestimate how much we humans are compelled by figurative interpretations of the world. We care about framings a great deal, whether we like it or not, it seems. Predetermined perspectives are demoralizing, and you should fight them at every opportunity, especially in the modern era when subscribers to these tenets profess that they are doing so under the guise of benevolence or compassion. They're liars, and they may even be lying to themselves, but they're definitely lying to you. Imagine how damaging it is for your mental health and your interest in social cohesion if you adopt a worldview that informs you that you are merely the product of your past and nothing more. Would this compel you to live well? To interact socially in a positive manner? Or would it cause you to resent your own existence? Would it cause you to resent the world? And you'd be acting out this perspective on the world based on a lie. Moving forward this year, what changes will you make to fight against the dictations of those that continue to render you subservient to a version of a story about yourself so that they can obtain money, status, and power through the catastrophic breaking of your spirit? You are more than your culture and your skin color. Do not permit these parasites of progress to feed on you any longer. Not for your health and not for your future. Stand up and demand to be treated as an individual possessing incredible potential, which you do. And work together with anyone who will support you in your journey in unlocking what may lie dormant in you. Human existence is largely shaped by stories, but you are more than just one story. And whether you permit yourself to be a slave of circumstance, if only with regards to your character and morality, is up to you. If you'd like to check out the episode that this excerpt was taken from, it's in the description below. Until next time, viciously pursue truth with courage and kindness, take care of yourselves and one another. Goodbye.